What's up, yo? Thanks for tuning in Asian Bitches Down Under, the podcast all about sharing information and perspectives from the Asian diaspora point of view in society and culture. We encourage you to subscribe to our show by Apple, Google or Spotify or any podcast platform of your choice. And we welcome our listeners to support our show by sending us comments, give us review and share our podcast with your fellow podcast lovers. Make sure you check out the episode's show notes for any collaborations we are working with to promote. Thanks again and we hope you enjoy today's show. Hey y'all, this is Jessie. Hi, this is Helen. And we are Asian Pitches Down Under and it is very cloudy London weather. It's raining in Sydney today. It's a Thursday and um, we were talking about a little bit of a kind of melancholic kind of grey mood that we've both been in. Mm. Um, Helen, more more so for you, I have a ton of things I think I want to share with our listeners this week in terms of what I've been thinking about and reading Perhaps that's contributed a little bit to this kind of melancholic notions and feelings. It is now like a couple of weeks in, out of lockdown here in Sydney. Generally, Helen, how are you feeling? Well, I'm feeling down the past few days. Uh, firstly, because I've got my period. And secondly, I just don't feel like doing anything at all. I'm mm. entering this period of time that I just feel lazy. But at the same time, I feel guilty that I'm not contributing or doing anything at all mm. I'm just trying to write something or try mm. to read something I mean I finished Barracuda but yeah. it's not you the, feel demotivated yeah I feel demotivated yeah. and the novel yeah. the story isn't exactly a happy I mean it's no it's, it's not, not a I mean, really nothing, fully happy ending there's not but, really but a big don't, progress you don't read Christos Chalkers to feel happy that's true that's true yeah but I just feel like I don't feel like doing anything at all this week and you know and on top of that I feel like it's there's a lot of factors that's been happening and that's contributed to this kind of conclusion for myself yeah yeah Yeah. I mean I need to um, deal with our car because it's having some problems and then I was a bit frustrated. <laughs> we're just going to talk about this. We were talking about this before we start recording. I was feeling a bit frustrated with my dogs because yeah. uh, I couldn't handle their nails. As in, mm. both of them have long nails now. I'm trying to clip their nails. This is so small. And Upper East Side. <laughs> yeah, Upper so- West Side of New York. <laughs> I've taken my two poodles to get their nails clipped. It was it cost me um, $45 for each nail and uh, I spent the whole afternoon just waiting up on them. And, and then, But anyway, I, I, I don't even know what kind of accent I'm trying to appropriate. Um, yeah. But okay. it was just so annoying because I tried a couple of days to uh, try every tricks to clip the nails, but especially Paddington, that he just runs away now every time. That he's <laughs> like a little listening. child. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, he's so cute. Yeah, and you know how he Dogs struggles. Like he he pulls his leg back when yeah. you're trying to reach yeah. for his paws. Yeah. So I just gave up. I called a vet yesterday and booked the time this morning to take them to. Right. Did um, you have to pay? Yeah, of course. It's like twenty dollars. For like five minutes oh, of clipping their nails. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, how did she? How did the vet do it? I don't know. They take it. They take them to the like the back room. So I was waiting at the front. So. Oh my god! So you didn't I know, don't how, know she how they do it. Handled Patty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, you should. Well, I trust wait, wait, them. Of shouldn't course. Shouldn't you ask her? You shouldn't. Ask, yeah, shouldn't you ask I should her? ask her. But I just. Yeah. I'm so scared of handling their 
nails and their paw now because okay. they just struggle so much. Um, I did end up buying something online, the ones that you electronic filing ones where yeah, they can right. just put their nails in and they file it down. I'm just hoping that could be uh, another solution to keep right. their nails short because I really don't like them having like you know how they walk on the my. Uh, yeah. wooden floors Indoor, it would just like yeah. click 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 yeah and once it gets too long it will be painful for them oh really so they couldn't walk properly on the hard surface oh okay I yeah. didn't know that I'm guessing that's one of the reasons that Paddington has been trying to avoid walking on the downstairs the hard surface and he's been right just right, you know right. staying on the carpet side of the house yeah mm-hmm. so that's right the boring side of my life that I don't know why it's making me anxious. Well, I think and for most people, of, Helen, yeah. don't worry. I think for most people, the administrative life admin sort of um, duties that we inevitably have to do, i.e. taxes, um, you know, posting things, all these mandatory, fixing the car, getting the car fixed or whatever, getting mm. a haircut, all these things kind of contribute um, to uh, things that, yeah, like um, we all feel the kind of resentment towards doing it but we kind of have to do it Mm -hmm. um and i just want to say it's really normal what you're feeling like this kind of sense of lethargy and like i always have things to look forward to thankfully but there were moments there have always been moments in my life where i feel like ugh, like what do i have to look forward to and i guess like i just kind of wait a few even often these feelings for me myself lift within a day or so mm. um and uh, i mean i i've never been diagnosed with anything but i i am also very much someone who has become resistant to seeking uh, funnily enough in the last two years mm-hmm. um, professional medical help in terms of my my brain health mm-hmm. but I have successfully booked in a appointment with a therapist on Monday and I'm like super excited about it um, so I'm looking forward to that but th- I guess the the sort of um, segue uh, it's not a very good segue I'm making here <laughs> um, from Helen's clipping of her dog's toenails to hard four surfaces. Um, over the weekend, we did some putt-putt, which I haven't done in like years. Um, and it was a lot of fun. Um, we played some tennis. So it was like good to get outdoors. Um, we went actually down south and swam in the ocean and nice. saw dolphins. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah, it was so beautiful. Like dolphins are like it's just the most kind of magical thing to see out in the wild. Mm-hmm. We were just like swimming in the beach and then saw like dolphins because like we were running, we were walking in the morning and then this like a local woman ran past us. Yeah. She was like, look, there's dolphins. Oh, it's just and, randomly yeah. pointed out to you. Yeah. Random, yeah. And then, um, <laughs> And then both, like, um, we turned to each other and we were like, do we look so obviously out, out of town? <laughs> you're like, you're obviously the tourist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We look so touristy. We look like, do we really look like so badly, um, like, city slickers? Yeah, obviously we did. And so it was like, it felt like such a nice, it, even though we were only gone for two days, it felt like such a long holiday. I, uh-huh. I was like, yeah, so re- refreshed, you know. Um, and it was only like an hour and a half south of Sydney, so we, mm-hmm. but but it kind of made me got me thinking about overseas travel, and I really desperately want to go back to Taiwan in the next few months. Mm-hmm. So I'll be thinking about doing that, and obviously today, and you know, our perfect segue 
to today's topic of discussion is the news of uh, Boston's first person of colour, a first female, female mayor, yeah. and also first um, Asian American mayor, um, Michelle Wu, who whose parents, like Helen and I, are from Taiwan. Yeah. So we're really super proud of her. I mean, obviously, you know how I feel about kind of people in very conventional positions of power, such as like a mayor and a politician, Motion, you know. Mm-hmm. I know that they've had to play the game of the patriarchy in order to get there. Mm-hmm. But still, it feels really like, it. just on a representation level, it's monumental. It's really, yes, really fucking definitely. monumental. I can't even say with enough strength or power how important this piece of new news is and that uh, Boston had elected mm-hmm. a female, an Asian, a Taiwanese woman. Um, and, like, Boston is so... It's like a college town, you know, Harvard. It's a very um, academic focus. What, what is... Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard... I've never been to Boston, but I've heard it's super white. I guess maybe Bostonians or Americans might be able to tell me otherwise. I'm guessing there's a large black and Asian community as well. Mm-hmm. But I guess what I hear from people who have been to Boston is, like, it's very kind of elite cultural college yeah. kind of... At a, at a sort of tenor of that town, which you know makes sense since it houses boss, uh, since it houses Harvard. Before we launch into our little spiel about Michelle Wu and give you a little bit of the background, um, I want to say two quick things. Um, I started watching Love Life season two on Stan this week. Okay, Helen, have you seen season one with Hannah, Anna Kendrick? Do you no, have Stan? I don't have yeah, Stan. you don't. Okay, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it's really Stan. not that amazing. Um, <laughs> The only thing I can think of is um, I go I do I have stand for Broad City, and I like uh, watch Broad City probably like at least one episode a week because it kind of is my feel good space. Mm-hmm. It always makes me laugh. Yeah, I've honestly seen the five seasons literally like ten thousand times. It's so good. Um, so Love Life is uh, basically the first season follows Anna Kendrick, who is a young woman called Derby, weird name, um, in New York City. And it's just 10 episodes, and each episode kind of chronicles the different romantic relationships she has. Okay. And then at the end, um, she kind of meets this guy at a wedding. But then we find out in season two that she's married someone completely, like, someone we haven't met. Okay. I don't think we've met Magnus in season one. Maybe I've forgotten. Anyway, what I really love about this show... Uh, this, the second season is a different character altogether. We follow this black guy. Um, I think his name is Harper Jackson Williams or something like that. Um, William Jackson Harper, I think. Yeah, and he is a black dude um, and he plays this guy called um, Marcus Watkins mm-hmm. and he is this like cool, hip uh, New York book editor. Ooh, and, okay. and and what's really great about the show is that uh, what I find really comforting is in the way in which it kind of I don't like this word, but I'll use it. Authentically, kind of depicts what dating life is, like what it involves, I mean, involves, and kind of the messy disappointments, and the uh, sort of very real. Kind of, it's kind of like um, a rom com, but like mm-hmm. stretched out across ten episodes, like ten hours. Okay. And and what I find so comforting about it is that um, it kind of shows all the kind of hiccups we have in in romantic dating, and like all the kind of shitty dates. And like the the disappointments and mm-hmm. how like on in the first episode I'm not spoiling anything he gets divorced um, to his wife who he met at, in college and we see him in the ev- second episode on a Friday night he's now single and he's kind of just like going through his phone contacts uh-huh. and texting all his single friends just like what are you up to tonight what are you up to tonight uh-huh. what are you up to? that is <laughs> that is literally what I do uh-huh. like I st- like I, I find it even though I'm in a relationship. 
I still find it super comforting to watch this show because I personally, even though I'm in a relationship, well, I think something about my heart will always feel more aligned with the single status because I've been mm-hmm. single for most of my life and because the struggle that I've had to go through in order to find a partner has been so it's kind of I wouldn't say it's defined me but it's so it's kind of like my animating force like mm-hmm. I'm not saying I've spent my life trying to be in a relationship I'm saying like the the status and the anxiety and the person I was as a single person it was such a it's a state of my life in which I'm so fascinated by and curious by and will always intrigue me in a way that I think being in a relationship is different like um does that make sense I kind of I kind of yeah I can I can understand that and also I do wonder why is it always that single people would when they seek out someone to go out you know to go out for a drink uh they always contact friends who are single as well have they never well, thought because, that yeah. people well, because, who are partnered could need that kind of a social interaction as well? No, it's because people who are partnered have their spouses. Mm, and like I think okay. I think it's because you just want to find someone who well well usually first up partnered people have their own thing going on with their partners you know if there's a kind of unspoken pact that you have an exclusivity that you just kind of spend saturday or friday night with your partner because like you want i guess superficially speaking you want perhaps the night to end in some sort of intimacy i'm not saying you know you want to fuck i'm not saying that i'm just saying we inevitably want to be with someone who we're most comfortable with Mm -hmm. um and i think um we reach for single people because it's just a tribal thing it's a solidarity thing Mm -hmm. it's like oh um let me go hang out with this other single person so we can both perhaps find someone that night um, or like pick up, or um, we can share our single dumb woes. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, don't, I think when I was single, I'm thinking like when I was single, if I hung out with coupled people, I think when I was single, most of my friends were coupled up, and mm-hmm. I hung out with you know just the female friends of couples. But um, it's just like the way that perhaps if you didn't have children, you wouldn't actively seek out parents, because like parents mm-hmm. would probably only want to talk about their kids. I see. You know, it's like it's just like a commonality thing. Like, uh-huh. like if you had um, a musician friend who you really liked, perhaps it's just like a commonality thing. I mm-hmm. guess maybe like mm-hmm. you seek out people who want to talk about the same things. But the what this show does so beautifully is the sort of it kind of depicts so well the way in which technology has completely narrowed the way in which and refined the way in which we date. I know because like he he mm-hmm. all of his entire existence we see him marcus navigate his life through just like devices his phone yeah Yeah, his devices like reaching out to contacts through his phone like all of his relationships are kind of mediated through the connection that he has with his phone Mm -hmm. and i find that just so interesting and i haven't finished a season i'm only up to like episode three Mm -hmm. but i just i freaking love it i also love that in the first episode he meets this um woman who he ends up not having a relationship with because she's got um a partner who ends up being this like famous football i'm uh, sorry a uh, basketball player i had to google him because i had no idea who he was <laughs> um he basically at the beginning of the sh- series he's married to a white girl he's black mm-hmm. and then he meets this other black girl and then they kind of start trading black joke like inside jokes about whiteness mm-hmm. and white people yeah yeah 
and I really like that. I really, I, I really liked that. I don't know how a black person would feel about it, but I really liked that. I liked seeing that, I guess. But mm. yeah, I, I actually also really liked spotting that Emily, the first, the character who is married to him in the first episode. I think she's in Francis Heart. I feel like she is the the woman who like um have you seen Francis Ha? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's she's the woman that Benji and Francis runs into with Benji like right before Francis goes off to Paris. Okay. But I might be mistaken. I've like tried to look on IMDB like the cast, mm-hmm. but like the new the new formatting of IMDB completely fucks me over and I can't <laughs> seem to navigate it. I don't know yeah, if that's really like a sign of aging because oh, there's absolutely. a lot of yeah. things that's changing and we just can't keep it up. I like, know. For yeah, example, so you were saying about dating and technology. Yeah. I can't imagine myself returning to the dating I know, scenario. I think that too. It's well, I just, can. I feel like but... it's just going to be such a big effort that chore. you have. To, yeah, such yeah. a big chore as well. Uh, I don't even yeah. want to put myself in that. <laughs> Out there, yeah. Well, you know, you can just go to a bar and start talking to someone. But you know, yeah. But you know that I'm an introvert. I'm never. I'm never that kind of person. I hate bars. I mean, unless I'm seeing friends at a bar, uh, the last place I would ever go to pick up is at a bar. I can never imagine myself being picked up or picked up someone in any public, any public settings now. Like even the the most frequent, I guess, pandemic have changed us into kind of formatted us into a very different yeah. uh, situation in public setting. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can't imagine myself. The, the most frequent place that I will go to now will be the climbing centre and I cannot see myself even talking to any of the guys. Yeah. I'm that yeah. Can introvert. I just say, <laughs> in the, in the, on the subject of being picked up and things like that, I find that um, I've spent a lot of my life, since I was, you know, obsessed with rom-coms, mm-hmm. I had this kind of fucked up view that um, it's romantic to be picked up, like at a coffee shop, or, or like I spent, I think, all my 20s hoping that I would be picked up. And like, whenever I was, it was rare, but when I was, it was like fucking creepy and very uncomfortable. Yeah, because I Because you realise they don't know anything about you and they're just they're just attracted to you based on your looks. And I found that deeply, deeply deeply uncomfortable like deeply i didn't find that flattering at all like i think it really grossed me out and it's really weird i i I can't imagine i guess i mean i've been on the apps for all my 20s so i I guess i know the expedient way to pick up these (laughs) days um but it's It's like it's never less comfortable it's never like it never becomes a more comfortable thing you know Mm -hmm. navigating those kind of things yeah definitely and and it's hard as a straight a woman um in the literary world as well like i feel like um, most most of the people around my space are like women Mm -hmm. um and the men are either toxic if they're straight (laughs) <laughs> or they're not interested in you because they're interested in men and they're the nice ones often obviously gay men but um yeah speaking of like kind of lacking in embracing technology the i finished brendan cowell's second novel plum which mm-hmm. i actually failed to mention the name of last episode i remember thinking oh i forgot to mention the name plum so i'm not going to say anything about it on air because i'm not even going to give a reason i think you should just read my review when it comes out <laughs> Yes, but, we'll um, share that link onto yeah. our future show notes on our yeah. Insta very soon once it's out. 
Thank you, Helen. And but I mention it because the character uh, he's forty nine and he kind of makes digs. Not only he makes digs, but Brendan Cowell has other characters make digs at Generation Y and TikTok people. Okay. Because <laughs> like I think he's like, oh, I don't want to be around technology. I'm he's kind of like me, like anti technology. So in that sense, boomerish. But um, he actually um, he does this weird thing of hallucinating American genius literary figures like Sylvia Plath, Walt Whitman, Jack Kerouac, um, Emily Dickinson. Um, Sylvia Plath um, appears quite a lot in the book. And that got me reading the letters of Sylvia Plath that were published, I believe, last year by Alan, uh, Faber and Faber. There are two volumes, and each volume is about 650 pages. Oh, long. my God. And they're all just filled with her letters to people. Mm-hmm. And, like, she, I think she died when she was 30, so it's just fucking insane. I can't believe she died when she was 30. And I'm she's been sure her she live writing letters to people that you've yeah, been talking yeah. about a book of 600 pages. Yeah, well, yeah, it's just absolutely monumental and I've been reading them um, right before bed each night since finishing Brendan Cowell's book and I have to say um, I really love reading the letters of famous literary people because mm-hmm. you kind of see the inside of their brain and what they were thinking mm-hmm. um, I especially liked her letters to her doctor she was seeing a psychologist um, and in a few letters kind of explaining her situation um there's this one line helen which kind of breaks my heart she says this is when she just separated with her husband ted she says like um i don't want to be a domestic woman i just want to write i just want to travel i just want my Mm -hmm. own space to work and like that's really all i've ever wanted and Mm -hmm. and it feels comforting to know that that what i want is not a desire that's brand new that is actually completely common and a lot of women in the past have Mm. wanted those same things um yeah and it feels really, really comforting to know that. Yeah. Um, speaking of woman yeah. and writing, I mentioned Jiang Xun's podcast last week and he spoke about loneliness and he says that he's actually got mm. a friend who has um, who's in her, in, in her 80s and she's recently moving to a nursing home because of some physical immobility. However, mm. um, with a lot of social perceptions is that with older people they need a lot of social interactions so Mm. this is in taiwan so his friend who's in her 80s moved into a nursing home and they have all these activities all for elderly people but Mm. she expressed herself by saying that i don't really want these social interactions i've been a wife and a mother for most of my life now yeah. I just want to write she just wants oh, to sit like down that. and write yeah. and she yeah. she actually enjoys the alone time just by herself yeah, yeah she doesn't want yeah. any social interaction I, and I thought yeah. that was really nice because I think writers is a kind of occupation you need to isolate yourself away from yeah, people of course. Mm. and whereas in a lot of Chinese societies you think of isolation is a weird thing, as in if you've yeah. been away from people that you're a weird person. Yeah, well, that's not just in Asian culture. Yeah. That's like in every culture, I think. But I think people should really start to erase that kind of negative perception because being yeah. with yourself is a very important process. Yeah, who human. said it? Yeah. it was, there was some, some great existential philosopher said the biggest... Um, flaw to mankind is that he is unable to sit with himself alone mm. for long periods of time mm-hmm. who said that someone said that yeah 
yeah. and I think COVID has made, you know, just pushed everyone in the in the human society that we really need to come back and reflect on, on ourselves rather than the continuously social interactions. Yeah. 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 I often, when I'm alone, sometimes there are moments where I don't know what to do with myself. You know.、Mm. I actually, I rather enjoy just being with by myself. <laughs> because I'm、yeah. just of being course, sick of. Of course, because you're so rarely by yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're never by yourself. I'm always、yeah. being interrupted by someone. Or yeah, I could <laughs> never. I don't think I could bear that. Bear being constantly interrupted.、Mm. I think that would drive me wild. Yeah, it's just not easy, and that's what happened、yeah. with a lot of women. You know, yeah, the our lives has just been dominated by other people's lives and. For example, for this woman that I was talking about, only until that she's in her eighties, she realized that she's finally have her own space and have her own time. Like her husband、mm. passed away, her kids, even grandkids, are all grown up, and she's got her space that she doesn't really need to worry or care for anyone else but herself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I don't want that to happen to me. Like I, I want、mm. that now. Yeah, and I assume that a lot of women out there as well. And speaking of women, we're going to take a break and come back and talk about Michelle Wu, who has, it seems, navigated a life quite remarkable in her 36 years. And、um, so we're going to give you a roundup of the background of Michelle Wu. Who is Michelle Wu? Michelle was born in 1985. She's 36 years old,、um, and、um, She was born in the on the south side of Chicago, Illinois, to two people, parents who were from Taiwan, Taiwan like、yeah. our parents. Yeah,、mm-hmm. she's the oldest, eldest of four children,、mm-hmm. and、um, she went to this public school called Barrington High in Illinois, Chicago, and she later、um, she was a valedictorian. Do you know she graduated in two thousand and three? Can you believe that? That's only like two years before I graduated high school.、Mm-hmm. That's like scary.、Um, She then went to Boston,、uh, who where she now lives,、um, and she studied at Harvard Law School, which she graduated in two thousand and twelve. And Elizabeth Warren was one of her tutors, professors. Yeah, yeah. And、um, so Michelle is.、Uh, she has two sons. Oh, I didn't and, know she's a mother. Yeah, two.、Okay. Yeah, two young kids.、Um, she's married to this guy called Connor Purowski, who's a real estate banker. Ill. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, but no judgment there.、Um, and、uh, yeah, they have two kids. And yeah, she ran for the Boston City Council in two thousand and thirteen, two thousand and fourteen. So about six, seven years ago. And you know, she was the first Asian American to be there. And yeah, she's like been into a lot of like policies. Like、uh, she's really into environmentalism. She kind of、um, ordinated. These plans with her、uh, co-counselor、mm-hmm. Matt O'Malley called the Green New Deal, which kind of like is this plan for the、um, for all government buildings to be running one, on 100% renewable energy by 2030. And she is, I mean, I saw her、um, victory speech. She's quite、mm-hmm. charismatic and funny and warm and kind of like. Just kind of no bullshit kind of thing. She, she's not very aggressive. She's not overly aggressive. She's not overly like not、uh, feminine. She's kind of just like I think she can get shit done, and I'm glad she's been elected.、Mm-hmm. She feels like、um, a very down to earth, genuine. Yeah, type of she looks really yeah. normal. 
which is like, so nice. Yeah, and it's also like so comforting to know that um, Bostonians, a city of four, more than four million, um, elected her like uh, mm. a trust in a, a, a person with that face. Yeah, yeah that's all that that she has an Asian face, and I'm glad that someone of her face that there are that people in Boston that in America they can like see that just because you know 200 years of um, mayoral leadership by white men doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you know um, someone who with a different face cannot do just as good a job yeah so it's like super reassuring I think it's very progressive as well and also it must yeah. be have it must have been her work in the previous years as a counselor um, you mentioned of her ordinance in the previous mm. years um, what I'm reading is that uh, they have passed on paid paternity leave, you know, including mm-hmm. for the family who's of adoption, pregnancy loss, and abortion. And she has supported small businesses as well, like a proposal of allowing diners to bring their own alcoholic drinks to restaurants that cannot mm. afford liquid license. Um, and also the ordinance on plastic bag ban support of the disinvestment of fossil fuels. So she's very mm. onto the. Um, solutions and you know on the climate change Mm, yeah yeah i'm looking at so she lives in um she and her husband and two kids live in a neighborhood in boston called rose roslingdale and i'm seeing here on wikipedia that it's a quite a diverse neighborhood according Mm -hmm. to the 2020 census um with 45 percent of non-hispanic white 20 percent non-hispanic black or african-american um, 25% of his Hispanic or Latino and 3.5% Asian. Mm. So that's, like, yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, I read this article about how Long Island City is, like, in, in New York, Long Island City, New York Times, mm-hmm. Long Island City is, like, becoming the fastest-growing Asian community in in America, wow. which is, like, okay. super interesting. Yeah, there's, like, heaps of Asian people moving there. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, like, can you imagine something like that happening here in Sydney? Well, the last With an Asian woman who's thirty six, by the way, the she's last, so young. Um, what's it called? The last news that I've seen about uh, Asian Australian being on political forefront was the Fairfield, the, the liberal bencher, right? Yeah, the liberal bencher too. Oh, late. you mean um, too too late? Yeah, she's awesome. Who has been Vietnamese? Kind of removed, uh, put aside because the the parachuting movement by the by Christina Canelli. Oh um, God! I don't know what's happening with her yeah, situation at the moment. I honestly hope that she can find. I don't know if she's going to run for independent or something like that. But it has been very rare to see an Asian Australian face on yeah um, any Australian political, political um, forums forums anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know that Penny Wong has been there for a long time, and we have Jenny yeah. Lown in yeah Newtown. Town. Yeah, um, but that's about it. It um, I know there's a couple of the par- uh, members of Parliament, the Labour ones down in Melbourne, mm. but it's very rare. It's definitely mm. very rare, and I haven't seen much of the Asian faces in councils. To be yeah. honest, yeah, yeah. Where are the Asian men, by the way? We're just talking about Asian women, but like Asian mm. men are also very rare. Yeah, very rare. Don't you think? Definitely, yeah. I think with Australian Asians, I don't know, just probably firstly will be the language barriers that puts people off to be involved in politics. But at the same time, Australia is not as mature 
as US. That's that's all my own when it comes observation. To, yeah, when it comes to Well, we're to just a younger politics. country as well. Yeah. And unless yeah. that it has something to do that in like political agendas that he needs to be something that has been impacting your life personally that will push you to the point that you think that it is essential to do something about it. Mm, mm. But like I'm saying that because both of us in a very privileged position that we don't worry about housing and we don't worry yeah, about yeah, our yeah. income. Yeah. But we want to kind of like what this is what we do with this podcast is that we do bring awareness of certain issues um out to the public. But um I don't see how Asian like even with my own social circles have you got any Asian friends that really talk politically no about not issues really. that is impacting no. their lives yeah no because the mo- because all the Asians I know are like me like middle upper class mm. yeah like privileged yeah or like went to university you know yeah I think and two that we have someone that is I guess strong enough I don't want to use the word brave but strong enough and understanding the system. Like, I'm confused about Australian political system sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, of, it's well, hard yeah, yeah. for me to actually... No, but Helen, you've been involved in the women's electoral... What is it? The W-E-L-E-L? Yeah, the lobby. Yeah, Yeah, the lobby, yeah, which, like, explains that yeah, it does explains. amazing work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's run by Lucia... I forget her surname, but yeah, it's just such an incredible organization that helps women kind of encourage them and equips them with the skills needed to run for office. Mm -hmm. And honestly, guys, um, if someone like Donald Trump could do it, you know, anyone could do it, right? (laughs) Um, It's a very like um, laboriously administrative job, I think. It's Mm -hmm. just basically, I'd say that Michelle Wu would now just be making phone calls, appearing, a lot of her day will be appearing at events, Mm -hmm. making speeches, um, getting people to tell her what she needs to know about certain policies and signing off of them. Um, She would just be the kind of manager. Like, that's what, you know, the top positions often are. They're, like, managing crises and troubleshooting. Um, They're not doing the nitty-gritty reading and all that. Like, Michelle has done years of that now. Now she's, like, worked her way up there and, like, had the... Which which is what I love, that she ran... Like, she thought, yeah, I deserve this position. I'm going to go and get it. And now that she did go and get it, and now that she has got it, is, like, such a such a fucking incredible um important thing for for like everyone not just asian mm-hmm. women yeah i'm i believe that the policies that she's going to come up with will hopefully benefit the people that are in need in boston yeah. city yeah and yeah. that's essentially what when you're in the power position that is what you need to do yeah yeah I wonder if she's going to get attacked by the fact that she's got a um, white white partner because I feel like a lot of Asian women in <laughs> in the public eye who have white partners often are attacked. In what sense? Why? Um, because they're like seen as traitors to the race, maybe. Ah, that, that like that's obviously not my position. Yeah. I mean, I'm we're both of me and Helen where we have white partners, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but ah, it's. It's just yeah. I, I obviously I don't hope for that to happen, but um, but that is like something I hope she doesn't have to face because, mm-hmm. I mean, we just face a lot of shit anyway. You know, <laughs> yeah. Even if she wasn't, even if she wasn't Asian, she'll she'll face a lot of kind of criticism for just being a yeah. woman. You know, 
You were going to talk about her experience with her parents, especially when she was looking after her mother. Um, during was it during her college years or just after her study that she has to return、mm. home to care for her mother? Yeah, that's what she said in an interview. She said、mm-hmm. that、um, when she was in Boston, she had to go her back home to Chicago、um, to return to care for her mum and、um, her. I think her two younger siblings, two three younger siblings, are like quite considerably younger than her.、Mm-hmm. She. Her mother,、uh, according to Wiki, had been like diagnosed with schizophrenia, and she said that during this time it was when she thought like she wanted to do something more constructive with her life, and then like turn to politics and use like her law degree for good.、Mm-hmm. I guess like having Elizabeth Warren as your law professor would have、mm-hmm. like you know changed her your viewpoint a lot and. You know, if you're that close to someone who's so close to power,、mm-hmm. it can make you see that there's a possibility for yourself to enter positions of that kind of power. You、mm-hmm. know, and how much you, that you can actually do and change、yeah. to benefit, yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, I can't imagine. I just don't know how to handle that kind of power. Like I'm glad that she's、yeah. being elected because,、mm. like we said, that she seems genuine. She seems the type of people that is very aligned to our values. That's that's a good news for Boston. Yeah, very good. And one day we will visit Boston. Yeah, I want to do like a road trip from like New York up up the east coast all the way north to Canada. Like I'd love to go through Maine.、Uh-huh. I just I have this obsession with Maine. Maine in the fall. <laughs> I guess every American does as well. It's like really kind of superficial, but um, but yeah, one day I'll have enough money to buy a property in Maine. Hopefully, like just a seaside lakeside shack. Yeah, lakeside shack where I can just write my novels. That's my dream. And we'll be visiting you. Like everyone would take their turns to visit you, every yeah, holiday. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah,、Anything、let's wrap、else? up. Okay,、mm-hmm. so that's the end of our episode. Thanks for staying with us. And if you have enjoyed our show, please give us a rating on Apple. You can subscribe at our show on Apple, Spotify, and Google, or any other podcast platform set of your choice. And that's it for this week. We'll speak to you next time. Thanks, guys. Take care. Bye.